Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whoops. Recorded we can live. <laughs> it's all right. Good thing, we can, good thing we cut off the beginning. I, uh, anyways, uh, uh, once again, hey, folks, it's Mike, Old Religious Dystopia. I got our friend and brother in Christ, Derek Hallett. And, um, all right, we're going to, uh, Sound of Trumpet Ministries, and we're going to be talking. It sounds to me like we're about the full armor of God. Is that correct, brother? Oh, that's correct. I think we just need to know how to protect ourselves today. You know, a lot of people mention it, but very few people put emphasis on it and how, you know, it can be beneficial to us. So, yeah, that's going to be the discussion tonight, and hopefully we'll give people more understanding of why it's so important. Amen. Once again, you can find Derek's work uh, uh, or his teachings uh, on Sound the Trumpet Ministries. Uh, YouTube channel, and also he has the, the website soundthetrumpetministries.com. dot com, and uh, Sarah is also with us. Uh, probably open her up if she, her her line later once I guess the teaching's done. And uh, yeah, that's positive to see that you know the subs are, are increasing on your end. So, which is part of my prayer. I wanted to, to uh, see your ministry grow. So. Which is one of the actually one of the biggest reasons why. Uh, first, I asked you to come on my show, and then, as we've been doing these weekly uh, teachings, uh, it's you know I'm glad to see this happening because uh, I believe that God's using you in a in a mighty way, and and people need to hear the teachings. Uh, some teaching is no, it's not full of nonsense. Not teaching any kind of the idolatries that are out there in the world, but the flat-out truth of the gospel, and the Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ, how that saves us. And uh, he's the only answer to anything. The only source of any truth is through our Savior, Creator, and King, and Lord. And I just hope and pray that that's exactly what we're doing. So I'll start on prayer here, bro. Dear Heavenly Father, Almighty God, precious God, powerful God, Heavenly Father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God, I call upon you in the name of our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ, your only begotten. You would have great mercy on those who may hear this message that you will have mercy on our enemies, that you will uh, help them break their bondage with the demonic realm, help them to see the truth, give them the opportunity to truly know you, or Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ, and what salvation really is. Almighty God, I ask you to pray, I, I ask you to, to pray and to bless the body of Christ my brothers and sisters 
believers in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Help them to have the strength, your strength, your courage. Pour your Holy Spirit into us, God, and help us to be the warriors that you need, the servants you need. Help us to have the courage to share the truth of the way and truth and the life, which is Jesus Christ. Dear God, I ask you to please bless Derek in his teaching, that your Holy Spirit would be with him, and that this teaching will be a great blessing for you, God, that will yes, praise Lord. you, glorify you, and, you, uh, and that, uh, and that uh, yeah, Lord Jesus, that uh, you'll be raised up. Lord Jesus, uh, thank you for everything you give us. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your truth. Thank you, thank you for the fact that you care enough about us to even have this opportunity. So, Almighty God, thank you for everything you give us. Please bless our loved ones and our enemies. And God, more importantly, I ask you, as well as to protect us from the evil one and his minions, I ask you to break uh, the bondage that, that we are and the curses that we're under by these things. I ask you to destroy them, to uh, bind them, rebuke them, and send them straight to where they belong, mighty God. Do not allow them to hinder or influence my brother's teaching tonight, nor allow them to influence our brothers and sisters in Christ. God, save us. Save us from this, their wicked plans. For you and your blood, Lord Jesus, is the only answer to all this. All praise and glory go to you, God. Selah. Heavenly Father, I thank you also for this time, Lord, another day not promised to us, that you have given my brother and I, Lord, and other listeners and other friends of ours, Lord, a chance to partake in your word, a chance that we might all be edified, a chance that we might teach others, Lord, because these are the dark times. And, Lord, I believe that there have never been times more darker than these. I believe that this is about as bad as it gets, Lord, and it's getting even worse. So I'm just praying, Lord, right now in Jesus' name that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our shortcomings and our transgressions and those things that place a veil between you and us. Lord, I'm asking at this time for a strong presence of the Holy Ghost. I pray, Lord, that you open the eyes of those who can't see and the ears of those who can't hear. And I pray, Lord, that during these such perilous times that you just give us more time to win more souls into the kingdom. I pray, Lord, not for America, but I pray for the souls that want off this ship. I pray for the souls that want to find you. I pray for the souls that are scared to death with all the information that they're hearing today. But, Lord, I'm just asking, Lord, that they just listen in for the remedy. I'm asking that they listen in for the antidote, the only one that can make everything okay, the only one that is going to take us through these dark times, and that is you, Lord Jesus. So, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that the power of the Holy Ghost anoint this message. Lord, I pray for your anointing right now that I will not utter words that don't come from you. I also pray, Lord, because we need your help to reach these souls that you may be glorified in these times. So, Lord, I'm just asking that no man's heart be heard tonight, no flesh be glorified, giving you all glory, praise, and honor, Lord, because you deserve it. There is none beside you. 
So in Jesus' name, Lord, I pray that you bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention and confusion, every spirit of jealousy, malice, hatred, every spirit of fear, doubt, and unbelief, and definitely, Lord, above all, every antichrist spirit. I pray that you bind it, that you cast it down, that you kick it out, that you grind it to powder, Lord, so that people may hear your voice and know who you are, that they might be redeemed, Lord, for each day is not promised to us. For you are the King of kings, you are the Lord of lords, you are faithful, just, and true, and you are worthy of all praises. I pray, Lord, that these things be done for your glory and your honor only. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, bro. All right, well, I'll hand it over to you. All right, sounds good, bro. So like we talked about before the show that, you know, what tonight, what we're going to be talking about is the full armor of God. The full armor of God, because I believe that, you know, I remember seeing a video last week of a woman. It was shortly before you and I went on the air, but she talked about these nanotechnology particles and these things that, you know, can be so small. They come in through chemtrails and they go inside the bodies of people and they themselves actually connect to form other things that can be a type of control to us you know, to keep us from doing what we need to do as far as the Lord is concerned. But I remember at the end of her, her message, it was about an hour, you know, she was asked, well, how do we combat this? How do we deal with it? And the woman said, well, I'm just a regular person like you. You know, I have about the same knowledge as you do. So we need to research and we need to have some understanding as to what we're dealing with before I can give you an answer. So, you know, and that's what you see a lot of today. You see a lot of people talking about what the issue is, but no one wants to talk about the solution. And I don't know how someone, how anyone can give a broadcast, you know, and tell you about all that is negative and not be able to tell you how to combat these things. Those things are important. And, you know, bro, you and I, we always talk about Jesus is the remedy for everything. So I'm just hoping tonight that people actually listen, that they pay attention to this, because what we're going to find out is God knows us because he made us, but we got to understand that the adversary knows us too. Maybe not as well as the Lord, but one thing he does know is how to fall, how to sin, and how to rebel against God, which is something that he can get us to do if we're not heavily guarded. So it's important that we understand that the smallest of sins, the smallest of iniquities or transgressions can come in and they can turn into bigger things because all the enemy is looking for in this day and age is just an opening. He's just looking for a way in so that he can control us. But what we've got to understand is this armor is twofold. This armor, yes, of course, is the outside that is supposed to protect us from, you know, um, invasion. But then this armor also has an inner side to it, which is Jesus Christ himself. And why it's so important that we not try and live this way without Jesus is because, like I said, this armor has an outer and inner layer. Okay? A lot of people may say, well, I'm going to do things according to my righteousness. I can read the Bible and I can obey these things, but Jesus doesn't have to be my Lord. 
There's a lot of people out there that are just receiving information concerning the Bible. Okay, if I won't fornicate, if I don't do this, if I don't lie and I don't do that, then I should be okay. But what we got to understand is this armor is not just a thing, it's a person. Okay, this is spiritual all the way, which infects the physical or affects the physical itself. So there is no way to do this except accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Okay, there is no way to do this beyond that because a lot of people try and, you know, rename a lot of Bible quotes. They'll, they'll say instead of you reap what you sow, they like to mention karma. Okay, well, there's no such thing as karma. There are universal laws by the word of God that put things in play years ago that tells us we reap what we sow. But see, in Hinduism, karma is referred to as a type of energy. It just comes around and no one really understands how it works. But you got to understand that God's word holds true, and this is where this is the source of all laws, all things that come into play. Okay, so aside from the word of God, nothing holds together. So I just want people to understand that because there are many times when you mention the gospel to people, people will always say, "Well, I'm a good person." See, but they're only righteous by their own standards. This is not about what we know. This is about who we know. So unless we can really have Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and trust him and give our lives over to him, there is no way possible that we can wear this armor. And I want to tell people, you would be crazy not to want to wear this armor if you knew all the things that were coming. Okay, so let's get started. I want to begin with uh, Proverbs 25. Let's go to Proverbs 25, and I want to look at verse 28 real quick. I want to read this because I want people to have some understanding that this armor has two layers. Right now, we're going to look at the inner layer so that we understand it's not just about having some armor on. You know, this armor requires quite a bit of uh, discipline, okay, to maintain it. All right. Like my tablet's trying to act up on me, but, yep, I got it going now. So this is Proverbs 25, and let's look at verse 28. And it says, He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. Okay, so what we need to understand with this right away is that it's not just about having walls. It's about he who has no rule over his spirit. So right away, the Bible is telling us that we have to have some self-control. We have to have a very disciplined life because if we don't, it says, is like a city that is broken down and without walls. So that means that there's any invasion that can come in. And I think most of this begins with having the mind of Jesus Christ. This is so important that we have this because if we don't, what we'll do is we'll waste time on things that we don't think are detrimental to us. Meanwhile, the devil infiltrates us. You know, I'll give you a classic example is um, I was watching a video uh, this past weekend, and it was about Bill Cosby. You know, whether the man is guilty or innocent, I don't know. Okay, and I'm not even going to go there tonight. But I will say that I remember um, watching a video to, uh, that night and it was talking about, it was one of these famous old videos where um, Bill Cosby had some kids over the house 
and he was uh, talking to the kids about, you know, um, having fun and what they were going to do. Now, there were, I think, five girls there or six girls, and there was one boy. And, and Bill Cosby said to the boy, well, you know where you're going to be tonight, you know, because there's nothing but girls here. And he looks at the kid very seriously and says, you'll be sleeping with me. Now, the person that made the video was trying to um, give an, uh, they were trying to make it seem like Bill was a pedophile because they claim a lot of people that are in Freemasonry and all that stuff. And you and I know through research that that's what they do. That's how nasty and debased and disgusting Hollywood is. But the point is, is that the guy was slowing down the video and he was he was really touching on some key points that, you know, I hadn't noticed before when I was young. And and the funny thing is Hollywood will allow you to be entertained by things, and you know there's no live studio audience, so they just hit that applause box, and, and they have ways of programming your mind to make you laugh at something that isn't very funny. Well, either way, he was riding these kids on his knee, and I can tell you when they slowed the video down, yeah, it looked kind of weird. You know, something looked kind of wrong, and I was just sitting there saying, man, how blind we were, you know, at one point to just watch these things in pure ignorance and find it entertaining, only to be enlightened by the Lord and have the Lord remove the scales off of our eyes, and then we can see things for what they really are. Now, whether he actually did that with the kids, like I said, I'm not going there tonight, but I know that the Lord had revealed some things to me that really didn't look good. Okay, so that's just an example of a person just opening their floodgates to the music, to the movies, to all sorts of things and vanities that we might want in this world. And by the time we really get a sense of searching for truth, we're so indoctrinated, you know, to the point to where you can only think the way that these people want you to. So it is important that if you learn to rule over your own spirit and you learn to have Christ and bring everything into the obedience of him, that you can wear this armor because the devil can find no way in. Jesus said, the ruler of this world come in John 14, and he has nothing in me. Well, it's important that we understand that the ruler of this world, just because he didn't get to Jesus, doesn't mean he's not trying it with you and I. Okay, and, and he's, he's very effective at just getting you to open the gates so that way he can come and make his way in. But right now we're going to talk about how to deal with this. So you see, this is the end part. Of, this is the inside of the armor. This is actually Jesus Christ that is within us. The outside is all the other things that you talk about, but it's just so important that we get a sense without Jesus Christ. We cannot wear this armor, okay? So let's move on. I want to go to um, Ephesians chapter 6, and let's begin at verse 10. All right. And I'm going to prove that that armor is on the inside a little bit later. So this is Ephesians 6 and 10, and Paul says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So when we look at that word wiles, wiles is pretty much, the word is methodia or methodia, 
Okay, that sounds like methods. That sounds like where we get the word method and, you know, cunning arts and deceit, craft and trickery. Okay, so the reason why we wear this armor is so we're not caught up with the devices of the enemy, which he can move in on us so easily. So it says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So as you can see, this is not a flesh and blood battle. Whatever you see playing out in the physical has already been affected in the spiritual, okay? So what we get in the spirit, in the physical, is only a reflection of that which has already taken place in the spiritual. Now, when he says when you go to principalities, another word for that is magistrate or government. It's like archons, okay? That's what the, the word comes from. It's the uh, Greek word archae. When you go to powers, that means authorities. The word is exousia, okay? So that tells us that even though we may have authorities in play in society, they are also backed by the exousia, which are principalities, which are powers, okay? And then you have the rulers of the darkness of this world, which is the Greek word cosmocrata, which means a world ruler, okay? So we're going higher up in the ranks, and then you get to the point of spiritual wickedness and high places. So you're talking about as far as it can go. And I don't know if anyone has ever seen the Illuminati Pyramid, where it shows you at the very beginning, you have, it says workers at the bottom of this pyramid, and they just look like, you know, a bunch of people. I guess that's us, you know, the slaves, you know, the machine behind all things moving. And then you get up a little higher, and you see schools, you see government, you see um, education, I think, and, and I think there's um, church, there's religions there, and I believe there is um, government you know, there are military, something like that. Then you go a little bit higher, and you would think that the schools and the government and all these things are the authorities. But as you get a little higher on the pyramid, you find above them are the corporations, okay? You find things like Pfizer and the New York Stock Exchange and, you know, global banking and all those things. Then you climb a little bit higher on this pyramid that these guys have, and then you find like the you know, the sub-families, like the club, of, the club of Rome and, you know, all sorts of groups. Then you get to the um, upper families, which are the most powerful families in the world, like, you know, Rothschild, like, um, you know, all the, the, the top 13 families. And then from there, at the top of the pyramid, you just see the eye of Horus, which represents Satan. Okay, so this is exactly how the world is run. This is exactly how things play out. So where we think that these people are dealing with us on an educational, political, or economic um, standpoint, these people call upon witches uh, for demonic power that they can fight against you and I. Okay, so we can't afford to not, one, have the spiritual armor of God, and two, um, try and deal with this war aside from Jesus Christ. These people are not dealing with us in the physical. They are dealing with us in the spiritual, and that is why you can have the few that rule many because most people are not even aware of the war, number one, and two, they don't even know what's going on. Okay, so then he says in verse 13, 
Wherefore, because we know about these principalities and powers, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. So he says, take on the whole armor, not pieces of it, not what we want to put on, but the whole armor. Basically, we're putting on Jesus Christ. So he says um, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. So this sounds like to me, whatever you can possibly imagine yourself doing, whether you mentally ascend to it or not, that you're strong enough to be able to combat this, you're not, okay? This is something that cannot be done with physical strength or just uh, plain intellect. This has to be conquered by wearing Jesus Christ. He says, having done all to stand. So that means it's going to take everything in you to be able to deal with this. But it's not going to be your strength. It's going to be the strength of Christ. So then he says, uh, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, why is it so important that we gird our loins with truth? Because if anyone has ever had the scales removed from their eyes and they actually got to meet the Lord that can even move more than you think you have already removed, you're going to find out that this, this rabbit hole goes very deep. And we'll learn, too, that this is a world of lies. I don't care what they taught you in school. I guarantee you 95% of it is all based on lies. I'm not talking about mathematics because, you know, that's pretty much universal. But if you want to talk science, if you want to talk about the shape of the world, if you want to talk about politics where you think that you're electing, you know, your um, your uh, candidates, you're not. Okay. These people are all related. It's all bloodline based. Okay. So, Whatever we try and figure out here in the natural, it's going to take some spiritual discernment to get through because the Bible calls the devil the father of lies, and the Bible speaks about that those people whose father is the devil, the lust of their father they will do. Okay, so we don't just need to know some truth. We don't just need an eye opener. We have to have our loins gird about with truth. We've got to have the truth so far up in us that there is nothing that the enemy can do to remove you from it, okay? Because you're going to enter into a time, people, where you think you know that up is north and down is south. Well, in Satan's economy, it's going to be switched. Everything is going to be changed. You won't be able to believe your own eyes. So it's going to take the mind of Christ to deal with this. They're already telling you that, you know, um, you know, what uh, God made a mistake and, you know, what you think of men isn't true and what you think of women isn't true, okay, they've already lied about so many different things that we just have to have that truth because you're going to be probably one out of 10,000 that will see what's going on. And, you know, because the whole world will be against you, you're going to be seen as crazy. You're going to be seen as an old dinosaur. Certainly you don't believe in this Jesus. We've done moved on, and you're still with this? So we have to not just know the truth. We have to have our loins gird about with truth. So then it says the breastplate of righteousness. What we've got to understand is we could never be righteous by our own standards. That part of the armor protects the heart. 
A righteous heart before God is one that will yield to one, the spirit of God, and all that God's word says. Okay, like when I'll give you an example. Some people may claim to be righteous, but Jesus tells you that Satan is the God of this world. He also says where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. He also mentions that if you were to love the world more than you love God, you know, well, he says you can't serve two masters. Now, the breastplate of righteousness would also have you believe that because you, one, love Jesus, and two, you know that he's right. Okay, but I've seen a lot of people in this, they're not so ready to accept Christ, but they do believe that there's going to be a new world order. Okay, and, and there is no way that we can be able to even stand up against these things aside from Jesus. God's righteousness is right. Our righteousness is conditional. So it's important that we understand what God's word says and we take these things to heart. Okay, no matter how big or how small, you know, we have to stand on the side of righteousness. There have been times I've been places and, you know, I found a pen from work and I get ready to put it in my pocket and the Lord tells me that's stealing. Now, I know some people may say, well, that's so small. We're talking about real war here. Yes, we are. But we've got to understand that the enemy will plant little things in your life. All the devil needs is an opening. You get used to taking little pens home. You get used to stealing time from work. That still counts you as a thief. <laughs> you know, that still counts you as a liar in many ways. So all the enemy needs is little things like that to, to creep into your armor. So that breastplate of righteousness, it stands for Jesus Christ, and it knows that he is right. Okay, so then the next one is it says, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Okay, so this is the main reason why the church today in particular is stagnant, because most people don't know the word of God. Most people don't prepare themselves in God's word to go out and meet the world. And if you don't know the word and you're not confident in the word and you don't believe the word, then you're not going to go and preach the gospel. It's that simple. The word of God, which is, you know, the, um, the gospel, it is only meant to bear the good news. It is only meant to change our minds that we may fight for Jesus Christ, that we may think like him, that we may become more and more like him, knowing him. Okay, so it's so important that we understand what the gospel is. The gospel is not about having your best life now. The gospel is not about what all you can have here. The gospel is speaking of eternal life and that we may all be delivered from our sins, a sinking ship, a place that is condemned to hell, that we may all get through this and serve Jesus Christ. That's what this whole thing is about. Okay, so when we have our feet shod with the gospel of peace, that means we stand on God's word, making us what? Unmovable uncompromising, unshakable, nothing that the enemy can do that can change your mind about God or compromise the gospel. And when you have that type of foundation to stand on, because I hear that the Roman soldiers had, you know, they used to have like uh, spikes under their sandals so that they wouldn't slip and fall in blood. Well, when your feet are shod with the gospel of peace, that means you stand on a strong foundation, which is God's promise and his word. Okay, so the next is, he says, above all, taking on the shield of faith 
wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Now, I want to tell people this, that I believe, like the Bible says, above all, I believe that this is the single most important piece of um, armor that we actually need to have, okay? Because one thing the enemy will get try and get you to do, and this is even if you're a mature Christian in Christ, is try and get you to doubt. If the devil himself in the Garden of Gethsemane tried to get Jesus to doubt, where Jesus had to get down and pray for the strength to continue, then you know he'll come after you and I. We have to have faith. We have to know our position in Christ. We have to know Jesus from the inside out, that no matter what, you know, the gospel stands sure. All of this points back to the gospel. All of this points to what Jesus says, what he believes, what he expects from us, and how we ought to live. Okay, because the devil tried to attack me um, just a few weeks ago. You know, he came to me saying, well, do you really think that you're a man of God? Do you really think that you're somebody that God can use, especially when you look at the book of Acts and then you look at yourself? If you were really what Jesus was looking for, then why haven't you brought in the harvest like a Paul, like a Peter? And, you know, I'm not going to lie to you at that moment. I went to bed with a kind of hurt heart, and I began to pray, and I say, Lord, what is it that I'm doing that's holding back this? You know, why haven't I been able to produce? And the Lord said to me, did I not tell you in the parable of the sower that some will ring in a hundredfold, some 60 and some 30? And, man, that put a peace over me where I said, Lord, I'm not going to doubt you anymore. But see, these are the fiery darts of the wicked one that he can throw your way to make you second guess, to make you want to keep the Sabbath, to make you want to, you know, try and do things by your own righteousness because you don't feel that closeness with God. If you don't feel close with the Lord, get down on your knees and pray. Start fasting. Spend time in his word, but never let the enemy tell you that you're never going to be this or never going to be that or trying to compare you to other people in the Bible because he did the same thing to Jesus. He quoted Psalm 91 to Jesus to try and get him to doubt, to try and get him to fall. So this is what that shield of faith is about, knowing that you belong to him. And don't let anything deter you from the gospel or from eternal life or serving Jesus. But you see, the enemy can get you to that point where you start to doubt, and then you may think about quitting. No, but this is, Paul says to run this race with patience. So we are to continue to go through this and, you know, let God grow in us that we may bring forth those peaceable fruit, that we may ring in a harvest when the time comes. But if you don't know who you are in Christ, you will be blown around by every wind of doctrine, believing what other people say and not believing what the Lord Jesus Christ says. What he says is what matters more than anything. It's the only thing that matters. Verse 17, and he says, and take the helmet of salvation. Okay, so the helmet of salvation also protects the mind. Knowing that you're saved, believe in God, protecting your mind from all the thoughts that can come in. Okay, so it's important that we understand salvation is what it's all about. Not just your salvation, but the salvation of other people. 
That should be the primary focus is winning souls to Jesus Christ, living as a saved individual before Christ and wreaking havoc in the devil's kingdom. And lastly, we're talking about the word of God, okay, the sword of the spirit, which, you know, half the times when we go out to minister to people, we may come in our own words instead of quoting scripture. You know, the Bible says that God's word does not return void. We have to keep those things in mind. When we engage the enemy, we got to remember that God's word is the sword of the spirit. Okay, sometimes you can get the rhema word from the Lord where he can inspire you, which is his spoken word to say the right things, a good word in season. And then we have the uh, logos, which is the written word, which is just as effective. Okay, I mean, which is just that important. Jeremiah says, I, I believe it's in Jeremiah 23 and 28, or 28 and 23 maybe, but it talks about that um, it, it says, Is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh a rock in pieces? That's one of my favorite pieces of Scripture because it really does make clear that God's word is that powerful. And in many cases, the devil will try and get you to go out in your own pride and not wield that sword like we're supposed to in Christ. All right? So that's just part of the armor. And then it says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto uh, with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Okay, so one of the things I want to get into now, I want to break this point out because the prayer is a long-range weapon, and I think prayer is seriously effective because it's one of the ways we commune with God and we attack the enemy. If only the Christian today would believe in his prayer life, man, what amazing things we could do in Christ. You know, that's just such a serious thing, but we're going to get into this. So let's go to Psalm 91, okay? Psalm 91 is considered the Lord's battle prayer. Okay, I quote it every morning. I memorized it for the last five or six years. You know, I'm not saying this is like hocus pocus, but I will say since I have been quoting that, okay, every morning, I have not been sick in years. Okay, it covers just about everything. But it's not so much about Psalm 91. It's about what the Word of God says. Okay, there is power in the Word of God. So let's look at Psalm 91 real quick. And when you read this, you know, you almost get a sense, well, you do get a sense that God knew about all the things that the enemy would try and bring at us, all the things he would try and come against us with, because, man, does the Lord cover it in this psalm. So the Bible says, and this is Psalm 91 and 1, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. So when you dwell in the secret place, when you're in the spirit with God, you dwell under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in him will I trust. So what David here is talking about trusting in the Lord, not in himself. That is important because when we learn to trust in the Lord, we learn to wait on his words and his instructions. Okay, before we even make a move. And when you wait on God, you'll never be wrong. Most of our issues come because we don't wait for the Lord's counsel. We don't wait for the things that he tells us to do. Okay, so when we get out there, we can't blame anybody but ourselves if things don't go right. Look at verse 3. 
Surely God shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. So it's talking about here that he would be, you know, he would free us from the snare. The enemy lays snares. And if the enemy hasn't killed us yet, because the thief comes for three reasons, to steal, to kill, and to destroy, that is because the Lord is removing you and I from the snare of the fowler. We don't realize the battles that Jesus Christ fights for us every single day, even in our sleep, from the moment we wake up until we go to sleep again the next, the next night. We don't realize the spiritual warfare that goes on and what we eat and what we're exposed to and what we're breathing, what kind of water we're drinking. We've got to understand that God really covers us all. He makes sure that, you know, we can get past these things. So he says, he shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. So as we understand that there is the word truth here, which we talked about girding up our loins with truth, David here is saying that this truth, not just any truth, God's truth shall be, uh, shall be thy shield and thy buckler. So not only does this truth, you know, block the blows with the shield. But you know what a buckler is. It's that little thing that looks like a, a small um, shield, but you can actually punch back with it, okay? So not only does God's truth take the blows and withstands them, it also fires back something that the enemy may not be ready for, okay? So it says, thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day. So, you know, this sounds like a type of spiritual attack, the terror by night, the things that the enemy may do in the dark to come against us. God is saying, don't be afraid if you be in him, nor for the arrow that flies by day. Jesus said that we would hear of wars and rumors of wars. There would be all sorts of things that would go by. But the Lord is saying, don't be troubled. Don't worry about these things. If you abide in the Most High, then he is your shield, he is your fortress, he is everything that you need. Okay, so then he says, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness. Now, bro, I saw um, what you put on one of the videos that they showed these nanorobots. I know that Bill Gates has been working on, um, well, I'm sure he already has them, but there are these mosquitoes that they have like little nano mosquitoes, like little um I don't know if you've ever um, seen them before, but they look like electronic insects. But, you know, they're going around injecting people and giving people things, you know, um, causing a lot of people to get sick. Well, he's saying, God is saying here, don't worry about the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand but it shall not come nigh thee. So we're going to be entering into times where, yeah, there may actually be one day a nuclear war. There may actually be, you know, um, another, the spread of another virus or some type of epidemic going on. But God here says, if you abide in him, a thousand shall fall at thy side and 10,000 at thy right hand, but none of it will come near you. Now, some people would say, well, yeah, right, you don't know all that they have. I want to tell those people, exercise faith. 
Learn to have faith in God because right now there's nothing you can do about this situation anyways. So you might as well believe in the one true God. Okay, so then it says, Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. And you know, guys, things are going to get so bad that we're going to have to find ourselves waiting on the Lord for everything. He says, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. So you see, God is God. His force is fighting for us. And the devil tried to quote this to Jesus with the pride of life just to get Jesus to jump off, to prove that he was the son of God. You know, I thank God for Jesus because had he done that, we wouldn't have any other remedy. He was not thinking of himself. And the most amazing thing about Jesus was that he did nothing aside from what the Father wanted. And the Bible says, as he walked, so we ought to learn to walk. Verse 12, and then it says, They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against the stone. So unless you throw yourself down, these angels will bear you up if you abide in Christ or in God. You know, we know that this is Jesus. Verse 13, Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder, the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet, because he hath set his love upon me, wherefore will I deliver him? I will set him on high, because he hath known my name. So what we got to understand in verse 13 and 14, God means for us to be offensive. He doesn't mean for us to sit back and wait and see what the enemy is going to do. He's telling you, if I abide in you, then you can take the fight to the enemy and God's will be done. But see, what's, what's messing with a lot of people now is the devil paints this big picture that he's so much, that he's so powerful, that he's a fire-breathing dragon, and you hear about all their armies, and you hear about all their harp systems, and all these things that these people have set up. But we got to understand that means nothing to a person that is full of God's spirit that is willing to do what God says. That's the problem. We don't believe that he is the most high. Many people don't believe that he is king of kings and lord of lords. But we've got to learn to come to that conclusion that God is God and all his word holds true. But we should be taking the fight to the enemy. That's what a real church is. A real church should be warring with the devil. A real church should be taking a fight to the devil not sitting back trying to see what the devil is going to do. There's, there's 7.5 billion souls that need to be saved. All right. So, you know, it's just one of those things that I get excited about, but he says that we will tread over these things. Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. This is God talking. I will set him on high because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and shew him my salvation. 
So we need to learn to abide in Christ. This is Psalm 91, the Lord's Battle Prayer. I would I would suggest that, you know, yes, we get closer to Jesus Christ, but I would encourage everyone to say this in the morning before they go out to start their day. Okay, now we know that Jesus is everything, so this isn't a law, but I'm just telling people the benefits in God's word and proclaiming it with faith. You'd be surprised what the Lord can do because I know he's got me out of many snares and jams that the enemy tried to do. Okay, so this this um, armor isn't just defensive. It's also a very offensive armor, all right? So I just wanted to bring that point forward. So let's go to, uh, let's look at Psalm 64. Here's another psalm that may actually draw closer to what we're talking about concerning the uh, enemy. I mean, this sounds a lot like the enemy in this one. All right. So this is Psalm 64. Let's look at verse 1, and it says, To the chief musician, a psalm of David. David says, Hear my voice, O God, in my prayer. Preserve my life from fear of the enemy. Hide me from the secret counsel of the wicked, from the insurrection of the workers of iniquity. Now, this doesn't sound like the New World Order or those in high places that intend to do evil against God's people and all people in general. I would like to know what is. He says, hide me from the secret counsel of the wicked, from the insurrection of the workers of iniquity who wet their tongue like a sword and bend their bows to shoot their arrows, even bitter words, that they may shoot in secret at the perfect. So they they would shoot in secret at God. Suddenly do they shoot at him and fear not. Now this is what you're saying. This is what the whole NASA program is. I'm not going to really go into that right now because we know that, you know, we've discussed this before, but... These people are pretty bold, wanting to make war, not just with the Lord, but with his anointed, but with his people. So as you can see, these people are shooting at God, and they're not having any fear whatsoever. It says they encourage themselves in an evil manner. They commune of laying snares privily. They say, who shall see them? And that's how they feel. You know, when they're doing these little games to us and playing with people's minds and spraying everything they can spray, putting things in the food that we're eating, it's a wonder that we're not all dead. So these people think that they're doing things in secret, but God sees everything that the enemy tries to push forward. So then he says they search out iniquities. They accomplish a diligent search. So these people look for evil. They look for wickedness. They look for new and inventive ways to destroy people. It says both the inward thought of every one of them and the heart is deep. But God shall shoot at them with an arrow. Suddenly they shall be wounded. So they shall make their own tongue to fall upon themselves. All that see them shall flee away. Because the enemy thinks that he's doing something to us. If we abide in Jesus Christ, the one true God, God the Father, then we are to recognize that whatever the enemy tries to put against us will hold no weight. It will just come back on them. It's just like in the days of um, Exodus when Moses, um, you know, when uh, Pharaoh proclaimed to kill all the firstborn 
of Israel. He wanted to kill Israel. And God told Moses, put the blood of the lamb on everybody's doorpost. And when the death angel came through, it ended up being Pharaoh's people that were wiped out. Okay, and this is the power of God. The Bible says he is the Lord thy God, and he changes not. There is no different than the God that we serve today from the one of yesterday. All it takes is faith and to abide in him. So it says, um, so they shall make their own tongue to fall upon themselves. All that see them shall flee away. And all men shall fear and shall declare the work of God for they shall wisely consider of his doing. The righteous shall be glad in the Lord and shall trust in him, and all the upright in heart shall glory. So if we stay upright, if we stay up under the Lord, there's nothing that the enemy can bring before us. But the question is, do we believe this? Is this war that serious to you? Is Jesus Christ all he's cracked up to be? Well, you know, once the Lord made it clear to me that Satan existed, it was so easy to put my trust in the Lord. Because, you see, the devil is like that Wizard of Oz. You know, he's, he's the great and powerful Oz. Until you go behind the curtain and you find out he's not as tough. He's nowhere near as strong as God is. So he lives behind this illusion. He lies to people. He gets people to think that, you know, um, perilous times are coming, which they are. But what he thinks is you've got no defenses against them, and that's a lie. Instead of people storing up all their food and their freeze-dried stuff and all this stuff, they better start seeking the living God because there won't be one inch of this world that the devil won't be controlling. The only thing he can't control is the lively stones, the temple of God, which is what God's people are, that we might war against him. That's what this is about putting your full trust in God and doing what he tells us to do because, after all, we've got the crown jewel. All right? So I don't know if you want to add anything. I know you, you asked me about that before, you know, or whatever, but, you know, no, I'm it's, just getting It's good, Go ahead, good stuff, brother. Good stuff. Right. Good, I'm total agreement with what you're saying, so. All right, sounds good. I know you'll interject when you feel like it. So, I mean, when you, you know, you got something to say. So I want to look at another part because we need to take a closer look at, you know, what type of things we can do that can give the enemy rule in our lives, okay? So I want to go to Exodus 23, and let's look at verse 20. All right. So this is Exodus 23, and let's look at verse 20. Now, this is so funny how if you look at the life of the children of Israel, when they were making their way from Egypt into the wilderness, unto the promised land, it's so funny that their walk is so similar to our walk, which is why Paul references it many times. Even God reminds the children of Israel of what he did for them because he never wanted them to forget this. So he says, Behold, I send an angel before thee to keep thee in the way and to bring thee into the place which I have prepared. So as you can see, God never sent the children of Israel alone. He sent an angel. That's a capital A. I believe honestly that this is the Holy Ghost. This is the type of Holy Ghost that is guiding the people. 
So it says in verse 21, beware of him and obey his voice. Provoke him not, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. Now, this is a mouthful in verse 21 because he says, beware of him. So pay attention to him and obey his voice and don't provoke him. So this means that if we provoke the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit can actually stand down. That's important to understand because Paul even mentions later on not to quench the Spirit of God, not to frustrate the grace of God, not to grieve the Holy Ghost. Because if we obey his voice, we are in his protection. It says, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. So if we want the Holy Ghost, this is something we got to understand. If we want the Holy Spirit, which is God's power, which is God's spirit, to rest on us, to protect us, and to do the righteous works of God, and we decide not to obey him, then we're, we're not under the protection of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not talking about grace, okay? We do have grace, but we got to understand he says he won't pardon your transgressions, not because he chooses not to, but it says, for my name is in him. So if God is righteous, then God can't be associated with that which is unrighteous. So you see, if we abide in God's word, And I'm not saying we won't make mistakes. The point I'm making is we've got to recognize that God is right. The words of the Holy Spirit are right. He's only got one assignment, and that is to help us to make it unto eternity, you know, in heaven, not in hell. But the thing is, is God's name is in him. So the Holy Ghost is not going to betray God the Father or Jesus Christ. He's going to stick with that which is like himself, that which will be obedient, okay? So then he says, but if thou shalt indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy unto thine enemies and an adversary unto unto thine adversaries. So what we also have to understand here is that it's no wonder the church has been being stomped on today, being walked over, being treaded down. Because the church isn't following what God's word says. Maybe the church is in in bits and pieces, but it's talking about here that if we will obey God's voice and do all that he speaks, then he says, I will be an enemy unto thine enemies and an adversary unto thine adversaries. So imagine having God fight for you in so many different ways, and all you've got to do is hold your peace and abide in him. And obey him, meaning like if he tells you to speak to someone about Jesus, speak to him about Jesus. If he tells you to go out and minister or if he tells you to get down in prayer for whatever particular time, if we abide in Christ, man, then he will be an enemy to our enemies and an adversary to our adversaries. That's what you call true protection. Imagine having the king of kings. You think the president got protection? Nothing compared to what God can bring. So he says in verse 23, For mine angel shall go before thee and bring thee in unto the Amorites and the Hittites and the Parasites and the Canaanites, uh, the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I will cut them off. So another thing we learn about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, if we have him, is not going to let us just lay dormant. 
we are going to fight this fight one way or another. These giant tribes that he mentions in verse 23, these are just a type of demons. That's all they are. And you see, God brings you into the battle against them. He doesn't keep you away from the battle. If you guys read Judges 3, 1 and 2, the Bible makes clear that the only reason that he brought the children of Israel into this battle was to teach them to war, to teach these people to war. That's the same thing God is trying to teach us now. But how do we expect anything to happen if we won't believe, if we won't go? If we don't believe God at his word and prove him right, how can God's righteousness be done? I'll tell you guys one thing. Sarah and I talked about this before, but, you know, when we go out and minister on Wednesdays, you know, there's times that she, you know, couldn't make it or, or um, you know, I couldn't make it or whatever. But when we minister on our own, I mean, the Lord is there when we're together. But when we minister on our own, man, the Lord shows up for real because he knows that it takes an act of faith to go out there on your own and to preach the gospel and to stand against things. So you see, God is always, you know, looking for those of faith that he can act through. So as you can see, this angel is not going to take you away from the battle. This angel is going to lead you into the battle. And he says, thou shalt not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do after their works, but thou shalt utterly overthrow them and quite break down their images. So as you can see, this also parallels with Matthew 4 and Luke 4. He says, thou shalt not bow down to their gods. So when the angel brings you in against the Amorites, the Gergesites, and all these guys, it's making clear that, you know, maybe it's kind of like he's leading us in to be tempted of the devil. That's what the Holy Ghost will do. Remember, he led Jesus unto the wilderness to be tempted of the devil for 40 days. When Jesus' obedience was fulfilled, he returned in the power of the Spirit. So you see, this is what Christians try to avoid, but this is how we learn to war. God takes us into the temptations, unto the enemy, that we may prove him before all. You know, this is like a type of boot camp. So he says, thou shalt not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do after their works, but thou shalt utterly overthrow them and quite break down their images. So you see, when we are led unto doing what God says, we become a separate people from the world. And that's why he tells his people to be in this world, but not of his world. You know how many people are ignorantly serving the gods of the demons, serving the, the images of Satan? You know how we put that TV out there and we'll just sit there for hours? How we bow down and put a DVD in? You know, I'm just being, you know, serious. Or even how when you look at Christmas trees and the holidays and things that people get into, you know, a lot of people are serving the devil without even knowing. And most of these people are Christians. A lot of Christians are doing this, not even thinking that there's anything wrong with this. But he tells you not to bow down to them, not to serve them, okay? Because that would be iniquity with this angel being there to try and protect you. So then it says, and ye shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless thy bread. So who blesses your bread? God blesses your bread. But you know who we go to for our bread? To the enemy. We've got to understand that if we truly believe God, he will sustain. 
You've got the job you got, not because of your resume. If you're a child of God, that's him providing for you. But there's going to come a point, as, as people have already heard, when God is going to allow the devil to cut down the economy. They're already working on it. And when this economy collapses, your, your resume is not going to be enough to get you in. You're going to have to receive a mark of the beast, or you're going to have to believe and take God at his word, being sealed by him. So God's not going to allow us to be on the fence much longer, Christians that are claiming that they're serving the Lord, when really they're, they're just hiding in the world and, and getting what they can from it. God is going to eventually knock us off the fence, and he's going to say, choose you this day who you will serve. And that's going to be up to us. So you see, right now, God is just preparing us. He's getting us ready for this. But this is why the Bible tells us not to love the world, neither the things that are in the world. And what I'm talking to you guys about right now, this is, this is war language, okay? This is battle instruction. People can believe it or not believe it. But the fact of the matter is God is telling us what can offend your protection and have it taken away from you. Okay, so let's just ask the Lord to search us out. So it says, the Lord will give us our bread and our water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. Now, if God said it, that's a promise. I'm telling you, it was like for me, I was sick every two years when I was a sinner. And I'm not saying the Lord isn't working certain sins out of my life now. I can be selfish. You know, there are times I can find myself being agitated and, you know, there, there's, you know, we've all got our issues, okay? But the thing is, is since I've decided to serve the Lord and ask him to search me out and obey him and follow the Holy Ghost to the best of my ability and my level of maturity, I have not been sick in a long time, okay? So I'm telling people that God's word holds true. He said he would take sickness from the midst of them if they did not serve other gods. Then he says, there shall um, nothing cast their young, nor be barren in thy land. The number of thy days I will fulfill. Now, you've got to understand, too, this is spiritual and this is physical. When he says, there shall nothing cast their young, nor be barren, that means that God will even protect your children if you abide in him. He also says they won't be barren. Now, this could be taken in spiritual terms as in, you know, you will be fruitful. You will not be desolate. You will win souls. The, the fruit of the Spirit will come upon us, which will manifest the gifts of the Spirit so that we can war for real in God. So he says, in thy land, the number of thy days I will fulfill. So God is means to meet every need that we have if we just abide in him. I will spend my fear. I'm sorry, I will send my fear before thee and will destroy all the people to whom thou shalt come, and I will make all thine enemies turn their backs unto thee. Now, see, this is what I'm saying, and I have found this out many times. There were many times I was brought into human resources because they wanted to talk to me about losing my job for preaching the gospel. There were many times that I've had jobs taken away from me for serving Christ. What we've got to understand here is I noticed that when I got there, I mean, yeah, there were times I lost my job, but there were times when I got there and I expected the enemy to roar at me, he turned tail and, oh, well, you know, let's just not do that again, okay, and let's try and work something out. 
I realize when you believe God and you come at the enemy, then the enemy will punk out. When you come at them with the true power of God and you stand there in faith, you watch the enemy back up because he's looking for you to be afraid. So he says they will turn their backs and run. What does the Bible say? One shall chase a thousand and two shall put 10,000 to flight. So God makes clear that he is always the majority, no matter how many are there. You got Gideon's army you can use as an example. You got David and Goliath. I mean, it just goes on and on that God has shown up, and he's never left the enemy laughing in our faces. So he says, and I will send hornets before thee, which shall drive out the Hivite, the Canaanite, and the Hittite from before thee. And I will not drive them out from before thee in one year, lest the land become desolate and the beast of the field multiply against thee. So this is the wisdom of God. He's saying he won't drive out the enemy before us in one year. He's talking about now that inner space that we need to conquer before we even think about going into outer space. We've got to learn how to trust God. And he's saying that you might have your issues right now, certain sins and things you can't put away. But he says, I won't drive them away in one year. Because if God were to take everything that was wrong with you away from you in one year, not giving the Holy Ghost a chance to fill that area and for you to mature and adjust, what would happen is you would be so overwhelmed that you would fall away or fall back, and the enemy will multiply against you. Like what does the Bible say in Luke 11? When an unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh in dry places seeking rest and finding none. And then remember, the demon looks in at you and sees the house swept and garnished. And then he says, I will return unto my house whence I came out. And he says the latter state, and he would bring seven more demons, more wicked than himself. And the latter state of the person is worse than the first. Okay, so God, with his wisdom, takes things out of us one by one. He doesn't take it all away because he knows that you can't handle it. You have to be able to adjust to this, okay, or the beast of the field will multiply against you. So he says, little by little, I will drive them out from before thee until thou be increased and inherit the land. So this is conquering inner space. This is about waiting on God to remove things so you can increase in spirit. Every time we increase in spirit, we weaken in the flesh, okay, giving God more room to govern our lives that we might obey. And that's why he says, and inherit the land. And I will set thy bounds from the Red Sea, even unto the Sea of the Philistines, and from the desert unto the river, for I will deliver the inhabitants of the land in your hand, and thou shalt drive them out before thee. So God promises us victory if we will obey and do what he says. Thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor with their gods. So this sounds like that armor. Now remember, that gospel of peace is supposed to be that truth that we stand on. No compromise. But you see how the enemy has tried to cut a lot of covenants. What is this guy, Rick Warren, trying to put Chrislam together? What are they telling us now with the homosexuality agenda? Coexist? What are they telling you? We all serve the same God, so we might as well love one another. Hey, love is not the problem. But if I love you, I'll tell you the truth. But we are not to compromise. We are not 
to tolerate. We are not to coexist with the enemy without engaging him in battle that souls might get won and Jesus Christ may do what he needs to do with us. Now, that's important because if you make a covenant, he says, nor with their gods, they shall not dwell in thy land. So he doesn't even want them in the land, lest they make thee sin against me. For if thou serve their gods, I will surely, it will surely be a snare unto thee. Now, I can point out a snare right now that is happening to America, the okaying of this homosexuality agenda. When you see homosexuality come on, on the scene, as bold and as brash as it is right now, then you know that judgment ain't far away. Whenever we begin to compromise the values of God, bringing yoga in here, bringing acupuncture, bringing uh, martial arts, bringing Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam, when all these things become on the scene and you cut covenants with these gods that are not of Christ, what ends up happening is, you know, that it will be a snare to us, and the enemy will have an, a legal right or an entryway, an inroad, to break through your armor. So that's important that people understand that and what that's about. If we follow what God tells us to do, we'll be all right. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. All right. Ooh, so this is 2 Corinthians 10, and let's look at verse 1, and he says, Now I, Paul, myself beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, whom in presence and base among you, but being absent and bold toward you. But I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with the confidence wherewith I think to be bold against some which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. So this right here is speaking of that warfare. Now, remember, it says in um, Exodus 23 and 20, or, or, you know, Exodus 23, that we are to cast down their images. Remember, break down the images of the enemy. Well, Paul here is talking about casting down the imaginations. So as you can see, this war was always spiritual, but it was a little more carnal before. So now that we're no longer breaking down the images, the way we do it today is breaking down the imagination because the Bible says what a man thinketh, so is he. Okay, so sin doesn't begin in our, you know, acts of sin. It begins in the thinking, in the imagination. So it's important that the imagination has the mind of Christ that you may only do what he tells you to do. And that's why it says from here, it says, casting down imaginations in every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. So that's the spirit of Antichrist. Anything that goes against the knowledge of God, I don't care if we're talking evolution, I don't care if we're talking false gospel, those things have to be cast down, okay, against the knowledge of God. And then it says, and bringing into captivity every thought, 
to the obedience of Christ. So God can even bring your thoughts into subjection if we only obey what God says. And we read his word and we we, um, ask for more of his spirit, and he will dictate how we think. Okay? And that's why Jesus says, you know, um, if a man cheat on his wife or whatever, he committeth adultery. He said, but I say to you, he elevates it. He takes it into the spirit, into the iniquity, into the very nature of man. And he says that if you even look at a woman with lust, you have already committed the act. You see, so every thought has to at some point be brought under the obedience of Christ because it begins in the imagination and it ends in the actions. Okay, so we've got to have that mind of Christ, that helmet of salvation, obeying what God says. So he says in verse 6, and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So see, in order for this armor to work, yes, this armor does work when we're not doing too much, you know, because we can't see it all. But one thing I'm recognizing is when we've got a readiness to revenge all the disobedience when our obedience is fulfilled, that's when the armor really starts clicking for you. Because God knows if you step out on the battlefield for him, you're going to need spiritual weapons. Okay, God is no fool. He knows he's not going to give his anointing to someone eating Cheetos just sitting around doing nothing. You've got to be able to go in order to do. And I'm going to prove this. Let's go to Mark 16. Brother, if you have anything, you know, you can. I guess I'm just so used to that because, you know, when we do our videos and things, it's kind of like, People, you know, will add things. So I'm just, you know, I'm in the habit of doing that. That's all. It's no big deal. Oh, brother, I'm so, enjoying it. I'm I'm enjoying the teaching, and I'm just keeping up with it. So bam, bam, all right. bam. All <laughs> glory to God. Glory so, to God. Amen. Sounds good, brother. So let's go to Mark 16. Is that where I said to go? Okay, Mark 16. Yes. Okay, and let's look at verse 15. Look at what Jesus says. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. So that's an offensive weapon. They shall speak with new tongues. That's a spiritual weapon as far as, you know, uh, prayer. Then it says they shall take up serpents, meaning they'll be able to cast them out. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. So as you can see, that armor is there if we believe Christ. Then it says they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. But notice he said this. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they... They didn't stand still. It says they went forth and preached everywhere the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. So you see, the signs will follow. The actions will take place. God knows you're going to need armor for war, not to sit around with and indulge in the flesh. Okay, but he says if you drink any deadly thing, it won't hurt you. Now, you know that God has to be there for us. Look at all they're putting in these GMO foods. 
Like I said, it's a wonder we're not dead. And I'm going to tell people, too, don't just dig into your food. Say grace. Sanctify your food and praise the Lord. You don't know what you're eating today. I don't care what's on the labels. Even for people that choose to be vegetarian, they've already done things to the seeds. Okay, so you're not getting the full nutrients in that food. It may be a little bit healthier, but not really. You know, there are people even talking about this things concerning broccoli that are really bad for the body that nobody knew about, okay? So we've got to trust in Christ, not in ourselves, okay? Because we're not wise enough to think against this. But you see, the signs were confirmed by the going forward, okay? The signs followed. And then it says, and preached everywhere, you know? So they went everywhere, and they said, the Lord working with them, okay? So God is going to go when you go. When God calls you to get up and go, just know that you're not going alone. This is all a part of the offensive part of that armor. All right? So I want to go to one point. I want to look at this real quick. Let's go to Acts um, 28, and let's look at verse 1. And people, I'm not trying to tell you these things to preach on you hard or whatever. I'm just trying to tell you he is our only refuge. Okay, because most of you haven't even had the chance to use your guns or your freeze-dried foods and all this other stuff, and you're still not dead. You know who's prolonging the time? The Holy Ghost. Like the Bible says, he that letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. So God is always doing things on his time. He's holding back, okay, this whole thing from going on. God is, is what's holding the enemy back, giving us more time to win souls. This is, the, this is the mercy of God. They haven't even struck their full force yet, and God is still holding them back, giving you and I a chance. We better learn to trust him, and that's in everything. This is Acts 28. Let's look at verse 1. And it says, And when they were escaped, then they knew that the island was called Melita. And the barbarous people shewed us no little kindness, for they kindled a fire and received us, every one, because of the present rain and because of the cold. So this was around the time Paul was shipwrecked and they ended up on an island. Then you had these barbarians or these people that were, you know, uneducated, you may as well say, or not the Romans. And, you know, um, they kindled a fire. They weren't really kind to Paul, you know, but... Um, they, um, you know, allowed them to be with them in the cold and in the rain. And they, you know, so this is verse 3. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, no doubt, this man is a murderer uh, whom though he hath escaped of the sea, yet vengeance suffereth not to live. So, you know, the barbarians believe that this happened to Paul. He was bitten by the snake because of the fact that he must have been a murderer. So what they're pretty much saying is what we talked about earlier. This is karma. Okay, well, this is what had to happen to him. And, you know, this is the type of foolishness that even Christians get into with superstitions instead of believing God. But as you can see, these people were barbarians with little understanding. So, you know, a lot of false Christians believe if we serve the living God, no trouble will come our way. Nothing can be further from the truth. 
okay? We've got to know the true and living God that when we choose to have Jesus Christ in our lives, all sorts of fiery trials and things are going to come your way, okay? Because when you choose Jesus, you have enlisted yourself in a war against Satan, okay? So they believe that he got what was coming to him is why he was bitten by this venomous snake. So it says in verse 5, and he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. Howbeit, they looked when he should have um, swollen or fallen down dead. Suddenly, but after they had looked a great while and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. So this is more superstition that went into it. They recognized, okay, Paul wasn't even hurt because Paul was full of the Holy Ghost. But these people are still without understanding, saying that he was a god. But you see, that was their limited understanding. But we got to understand that Paul was a man of God, and only a man of God is going to be able to, be able to endure such things. This is how real it is that we wear that armor. Henry Groover, this was years ago. I couldn't tell you exactly when it happened. But I think uh, Steve Quayle tells this story a lot, and I heard Henry Groover tell it himself, but he went to a place in Okinawa, or one of the Okinawan islands, and it was called Two-Step Adder Island. Okay, like the adders on this island were so venomous, and so their venom was so potent that if they bit you, you would be dead within two steps, two or more steps. Okay, so Henry Groover went to this island, and he believed God because God told him to go there. No Okinawans or Japanese would even go up that way because the whole island was infested with these adders. So Henry Groover goes up there, works his way up to the top, you know, and he makes the joke about it like, you know, praise the Lord, I wasn't bitten. You know, but he went up there, and he prayed over that area where God told him to pray. And he said they couldn't find any adders on that island, even unto this day. Man, so there are real disciples out there really doing the righteous works of God. I can't even tell you how many times things like this, not, not, maybe not as big a story, but things that have happened to me. I remember one day, you know, walking across the street, and I, um, I had my um, phone in my hand, and I had an umbrella out. This was back in New York. And I stepped into the street. I looked both ways. I didn't see anything. And a car came, I mean, out of nowhere, turned the corner, and slammed right into me. But I remember unto this day that when that car um, sped and saw me and began to slow down, I felt two hands push me up in the air like a gust of wind, push me back. And the car ran over my foot, and, um, and I bruised my elbow and my forearm on the windshield, but my bones weren't broken. There was nothing wrong with my foot, <laughs> okay, and the car rolled over it, and I was perfectly fine. I was in a bit of shock, but how can a car hit your foot and your forearm and miss you coming at that speed? This is what I'm trying to tell people about the full armor of God. There are other stories. My dad told me about his stories in Vietnam. You know, um, he read Psalm 91 every day while he was in Nam, and he said, you know what I learned from being out there, seeing guys hit that should have been dead? 
but they but it looks like something hit them and bounced off of them. And we're not talking about a bulletproof helmet or vest. My dad said he was convinced that day that God and Satan both walked the battlefield. You know, God God will defend his own no matter where you are. But people have got to understand. My dad said he's seen all sorts of things. People that should have been dead, somehow you see the bullets hit, but nothing happened to them. You've got to trust the Lord, you know. That's what it's really all about, trusting in him and his full armor. So I want to go another place. I want to go to, um, uh, let's go to Romans chapter 13. I knew we wouldn't cover everything tonight, but I want to go to Romans chapter 13. But, guys, we have got to learn to trust the Lord. Every day the devil is out to get you, and it is with the grace of God that he never does. Wear that armor. We can't afford to relax in this. We can relax, but we've got to have God's discernment. This is Romans 13. Let's look at verse 1, and it says, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. So God controls all. Or even the devil has limited power in things he can't do. So it says in verse 2, Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. Now this tells us right here that we can't afford to resist God's power. We can't afford to resist God's instruction. That word for the power there is exousia. So this is talking about walking in God's authority. And remember, we, we learned back in Exodus 23 that we have to beware of the Holy Ghost. We have to be able to understand and, and, and walk as the instruction is given, that we don't grieve him. Verse 3, for rulers are not a terror, but good, um, but good, but to good... <laughs> Uh, it said, not a terror um, to good works, but to the evil. Will thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. So you see, doing evil is not just something that makes the devil, you know, knock your armor off and makes the devil come after you, but this can also allow you, if you're a Christian, to be chastened of the Lord. Okay, so one thing we ought to do is learn how to be obedient before the Lord. We have to take in that which we hear, that which we see. We've got to watch these things. Some programs that you may watch and you call yourself a Christian and you know they're rated R and they got all sorts of, of cursing in it and scenes and things going on, we've got to recognize those things are not of God. Okay, we've got to be aware of that because the enemy can open you up to maybe thinking of fornication, even acts of violence. Okay, you've got to guard, the Bible says to guard your heart with all diligence because out of it flows the issues of life. So we've got to learn how to be obedient and to keep our places fortified with the Lord. Because there were times, you know, especially um, starting out with the Lord, there's certain things that I would watch, 
And I remember thinking it's okay, but I also remember the Lord telling me, you know, um, this isn't good. Turn it off. Now, I have felt the conviction of the Spirit and turned it off, but I also remember times where I just stayed watching it because I wanted to, and I actually can feel the conviction go away. And that wasn't because the Holy Ghost was okaying what I was watching. It's because he left me to my devices. And you see, this is how spirits can get on to people. Because I'll tell you something about the elite. As wicked as the elite is, they don't watch TV. They save that for the peons. They know it's mind control. They know it's a weapon they've been launching since the 40s and 50s. So they don't watch TV. And see, the Hollywood actors and all these celebrities that people want to look up to, Lord, forgive my language. But, you know, the the elite consider those people the scum of the earth. Okay? Lord, forgive me for saying that, but it's the truth. And I've heard um, a lot of them give quotes about that. What you think of Brad Pitt, what you think of Britney Spears, what you think of all these people, man, the elite wouldn't even have these people anywhere near them. The real elite I'm talking about. They call them the filthiest people on this planet, on this plane, because they know what the what debased acts and things that these people had to do in order to get in. They may hate Christians, but they respect Christians, at least the real ones. They call the other ones pretty dumb because they give themselves up to the world and not follow after Jesus. See, the devil may hate Jesus, but one thing is for sure, he respects him. He respects his holiness because he could never be it. So he can have the appearance of being righteous, but righteousness is something that he can never have. But you see, the thing that he wants to do to you and I is to allow us to be debased, to destroy the temple, take off that armor so that he can do something to you. The devil cannot remove the the full armor of God. Let me say that again. The devil cannot remove the full armor of God. But what he can do through the eye, through the ear, through the mouth, all right, through your senses, is that he can get you to take the armor off yourself, okay? That's what he can do. He can't remove it because he knows it is, it is given by God. But what he can do is get you to be stupid enough to do it yourself. I had a student tell me this today, bro. You're not going to believe this. Student I went talking to about his life because he was having some issues. Do you know he said to me that a woman that he liked, you know, that he wanted to be with, he said, "Um, I don't know how it happened. It started out at first, and she began to like me, but now she doesn't like me anymore. And he said, I'm surprised that the spell wore off. And I said, what spell are you talking about? I knew what he was talking about, but I wanted to hear him say it. So I said, what spell are you talking about? He said, you know, I'm witchcraft. He said, I'm in witchcraft lately. So you see, you got people, teachers, you know, don't even recognize that these kids are using witchcraft on them, watching Lord of the Rings and reading Harry Potter books and doing all these different things. This witchcraft, this weapon, we better learn to wear the armor because this is why you can have a teacher, you know, sleeping around with a 13-year-old student because these witchcraft spells work. These things actually go on. 
You know, and this is another reason to wear the armor. You just don't know. You can't trust in your faces and look at that little cute, cuddly face. You better understand behind that is a real presence because all men are born with sin. So we've got to learn what it is to keep that armor on because if the devil can do it, he will take it off himself. And some of us are walking around not even knowing why we feel so trodden down and beat up and, you know, I just can't go another day. Man, somebody could have roots on you. That's why it's important that we abide in the vine so that God can cut those things down. What a God. So anyway, I want to continue. I believe I stopped at um, I stopped at verse 5. So he says, this is uh, Romans 13 and 5. Wherefore, ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience' sake. Uh, for for this cause pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear, um, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. So we know that the law here that the Lord is talking about is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. But when it says here to owe man nothing but to love him, we got to understand that if we don't abide in this, then your armor can be penetrated. Do you know how many people are manipulated into doing things they don't want to do because people have other ambitions? Do you know how the enemy can make you feel guilty about the things that you're doing so that way you can come up and serve them? But if we obey Christ and we say we owe man nothing but to love him, but to tell him the truth in Christ that he might be saved, then we won't have our feelings override our spirit. That's something that we better think about. Verse 9 for this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, meaning lie, thou shalt not covet, be greedy. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So as you can see, we've got to even practice forgiveness in order to keep the armor. We can't go off in our own strength with this. We can't go off holding grudges against people. That gives the enemy a way in. And that's why Jesus said, when they hate you, pray for them. He said, that way you will be the children of God. When Stephen was getting his head bashed in, okay, before the, uh, the Sanhedrin, and all these things were taking place, Stephen still had love for the people. And because of that, Jesus removed the veil. That he, he saluted that boy to come on home unto the kingdom of God. So you see, the devil can even use your feelings against you. If you have ought against any, the Bible says to forgive. Learn to get past that because your feelings can manipulate you to let the devil in. That's why the Bible says in Ephesians 5 or 4, don't let the sun go down on your wrath, giving place, giving a foothold to the devil because he looks for you to have art against somebody so that he can enter you. These are ways to protect that armor. But if we love our neighbor as ourselves, 
We won't commit adultery. We won't sleep with their wives. How can you be fornicating with somebody and tell that person you love them when you're damning them to hell? Okay, so that's not real love. That's love for you, you know? But we've got to play this thing straight if we really want to love our neighbor and keep that armor on. He says, love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Because love only means to do a person right, even at the expense of yourself. That's what's so beautiful about it. And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. So if it was near then, I mean, it's over the threshold now. We've got to believe God with everything. Look at verse 12. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering, meaning sleeping with, you know, um, living together, not married, and wantingness not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. So when Paul says put on Jesus Christ, we know that this armor is Jesus. This is just one example to prove it. But we've got to understand that God, you can hold him at his word because he is good. Let's look at um, Isaiah 59. I'm almost done, brother. I'm almost done. Now, these are key points because this is, um, you know, of course, the hard-headed children of Israel, that no matter what God tried to show them, they always went their own way. You know, and it's amazing how God still loved them, still tried to take them through. It's amazing how he loves us in spite of all we do. So it says, this is Isaiah 59, and let's look at verse 1. He says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy, that he cannot, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. So, you know, that just throws prayer right out the window when we're living unrighteous and then we want to pray before the Lord. Now, if we're praying out of a pure heart and wanting um, God to redeem us, that's different. But when you call yourself praying to him as if you're his buddy and you can't even obey him, you know, the Bible says here, because of, you know, their iniquities, he separated himself from them, and he's hiding his face, and he won't hear their prayers. But your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue has muttered perverseness. So we got to watch what we say. You know, it talks about our lips. It talks about your fingers, meaning your works, the things that you do. That with blood, I mean, that can be abortion. A lot of people are walking around with the spirit of murder, even though they have, you know, they may not commit abortions anymore, but you've got to repent. Many of the things that God gives you, you've got to recant those things so that the devil could never have an inroad or a legal right 
because a lot of people are being plagued with things even though they've given their lives to Jesus. We did a teaching called um, a legal right. The devil has a legal right into your life, anything that you have not canceled in Christ. All right? So it says, and lips have muddy perverseness. None calleth for justice, nor any pleadeth for truth. They trust in vanity and speak lies. They conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity. They catch cockatrice eggs. That's like serpent eggs. And weave the spider's web. He that eateth of their eggs um, dieth, and that which is crushed breaketh out into a viper. Their webs shall not become garments, neither shall they cover themselves with their works. Their works are works of iniquity, and the act of violence is in their hands. So violence, as we know, that can simply be, you know, holding a grudge against your neighbor. That's violence. Okay, so we got to really be careful with how we do things here because God is saying if you're unrighteous, he wants nothing to do with you. Their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Wasting and destruction are in their paths. Now, this is speaking of the you-know-who. This is how these people live. I think there's a video of Schwarzenegger. Um, I don't know if it's a video or an article, but... He was talking about, I think they were watching something on the the kids starving in Africa or dying from disease. And I believe, um, I can't remember exactly where I heard the story, but Schwarzenegger's remark to it was, it's beautiful, isn't it? He said, man, this is just beautiful. Because some people believe, I think it was one of the Rothschilds or Rockefellers that said that um, if they could come back, I think it was another dude from the Bilderbergers, but he said if they could come back, they would be a virus and they would wipe out all of humanity. So these people love death. The Bible makes clear that's, that's, them that's, that that's hate the, me love death. Yeah, bro? I, I, I believe that's uh, Prince, Prince Andrew Bernhard. or Prince... No, it's someone from the, the, the British crown, the British family. Uh, right. Prince, Prince I'll, I'll find it. Anyways, yeah, that's the mentality, the, rule, the ruling elite, because they, you know, they worship Lucifer, Satan, so they hate us. Oh, yeah. Because that's the spirit right. of hating them, the spirit of death. That's right. You know, you're absolutely right, bro, and that's why, you know, for people that believe that they are going to live and coexist with these people aside from Christ, you're surely mistaken. They don't want you. You're a useless eater. I don't care where you graduated from college. If you are not one of them, they hate you. They mean to destroy you. And you see, these are, if you look at the list of things here in Isaiah 59, it makes clear that these are the six things that the Lord hates, and seven are an abomination. I believe that's in Prince Proverbs uh, 6 and 16. What's that, bro? Just, just for accuracy, Prince Philip. Prince Philip, okay. All right, perfect, because, I mean, you know, some people would think I'm crazy with that, but I'm glad that you confirmed, you know. So he says in verse 8, the way of peace they know not, and there is no judgment in their doing, in their goings. Uh, they have made them crooked paths. Whosoever goeth therein shall not know peace. Therefore is judgment far from us, neither doth justice overtake us. We wait for light, but behold obscurity for brightness. 
but we walk in darkness. And what did Jesus say in John 3 about that? He said that, you know, men love darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds are evil. Okay, so that's this is why people seek the darkness rather than the light. So he says we grope for the wall uh, like the blind, and we grope as if we had no eyes. We stumble at noonday as in the night. We are in desolate places as dead men. And I want to tell people this, that that's a description of you if you know not Christ. You are stumbling around in the darkness. Jesus said if the dead, if the... Uh, what did he say? If um, the blind lead up the blind, both falleth into a ditch. He said, Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life. So if people don't believe Jesus Christ, you are the walking dead. And that's why they make movies like that or TV shows. That's the devil making fun of you. Okay? Verse 11. We roar all like bears and mourn sore like doves. We look for judgment, but there is none for salvation but it is afar off from us. For our transgressions are multiplied before thee, and our sins testify against us. For our transgressions are with us, and as for our iniquities, we know them. In transgressing, now what is transgression? Transgression is willful sin. Okay, that's if you know something is a sin and you continue in it. And that's why the Bible says the way of a transgressor is hard. Because you know the way, but you keep running back to the old way. So he says, for our transgressions are multiplied before thee, and our sins testify against us. For our transgressions are with us, and as for our iniquities, we know them. In transgressing and lying against the Lord and departing away from our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart words of falsehood, so lying on the Lord. And judgment is turned away backward. And that's what you find today. People are calling evil good and good evil. And justice standeth afar off. For truth is fallen in the streets, and equity cannot enter. Yea, truth faileth, and he that departeth from evil maketh himself a prey. So you see, if you're living a life of righteousness, trying to follow the Lord, that makes you a prey. And the Lord saw it, and it, dis and it displeased him that there was no judgment. So no one is able to stand for the righteous this day and age. And he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, his arm brought salvation unto him, and his righteousness, it sustained him. So what is God doing? He's also using those offensive weapons. When he says there was no intercessor, there's no one for prayer, no one to intercede. And this is why the devil in many ways had his way with a lot of the people of God until the coming of Christ, who was the great mediator between God and man. Verse 17, that he put on righteousness as a breastplate, this is Christ, and a helmet of salvation upon his head. And he put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds, according, accordingly, he will repay fury to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies, to the islands he will repay recompense. So this is Jesus coming back for his vengeance against those that are unrighteous. But notice he's wearing the armor, which is him himself. So shall they fear the name of the Lord, 
from the west and his glory, from the rising of the sun, when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. Now, the only question I want to ask people is, because I know that Jesus Christ is who he says he is, and I know that God is God, but you've got to ask yourself, do you believe this? Do you believe when the enemy comes in like a flood that God will raise a standard against these wicked people, that he will redeem us, that he will show forth, that he will be glorified to them that believe, to them that know their God? will be strong and do exploits. So the Bible says in Daniel chapter 11, we've got to learn to believe God. Verse 20, And the Redeemer shall come to Zion, and unto them that turn from transgression in Jacob, saith the Lord. As for me, this is my covenant with them, saith the Lord, my spirit that is upon thee, and my words which I have put in thy mouth, shall not depart out of thy mouth, nor out of the mouth of thy seed, nor out of the mouth of thy seed seed, saith the Lord, from henceforth and forever. So that's something that we've got to recognize, that God, you know, his promise of his covenant is that his people will be redeemed, is that his people have the promise of salvation. But if we don't go out there and minister, if we don't reach people, whatever technology we got with the gospel, that people may be saved, what is all this for? We've got to wear the armor. The armor is for war, okay? The armor is not just to do what we want to do. The armor is for war. And if we want to wear the armor and keep it on, we better get busy about what the Father's business is and do what he says to do. That is the God we serve. He covers you and he protects you to do his will, not to give in to the lust of your flesh. Okay, so last scripture. Let's go to Revelation 19, brother, and I am done. Okay. And this is going to prove it right here that Jesus Christ is the armor. So he says, uh, this is verse 11. This is Revelation 19, and let's look at 11. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. So there's your shield of faith. There's your, um, there's your loins girded up, okay, with the truth. And in righteousness, there's the breastplate, he doth judge and make war. Uh, his eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. There's the helmet of salvation. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with his vesture dipped in blood, and his name was called the Word of God. So there's your sword of the spirit. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword. See, he's the word of God. And Jesus doesn't use carnal weapons. He speaks and things take place. If we be of Christ, then if we speak the word of God and we have his spirit, then we will also wield that sword of the spirit. So with a sharp sword that with it, 
He should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress with the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. So you see, as these people go to make war with him, Jesus Christ is going to take vengeance for all those people. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying, to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God, that ye may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of them that sit on them and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. So this is what's going to happen to the people that go against Jesus Christ. He's just going to tread over them because he truly is king of kings. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their army. So this is the Antichrist, who is going to be the leader of all these so-called elite, this new world order. And this is all the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. So this is the, this is the final battle between the enemy trying to stop the coming of Jesus Christ. So they're aiming up at him. They're shooting at him. They're coming at him with every arsenal that they think they have. And look at what happens next in verse 20. And the beast, which is the Antichrist, was taken. And with him the false prophet, those that led people into lies, have wrought miracles before him um, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image, these both were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceedeth out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. So, you know, Jesus said in his Gospels that if you fall on me, you'll be broken meaning that he can fix you, he can heal you, and he can put some armor on your butt. But if he falls on you, you will be ground to powder. And that's something that we better recognize. These people fear Jesus Christ. That's why they got their planetary defense system. That's why they have their lies of NASA. That's why they lie to you about what the earth really looks like. These people fear Jesus Christ. If you guys have ever casted out demons with the authority of Christ, you know that demons have no power over him. You better believe who Jesus is because that's what we're going to be wearing in the end times when the battle gets hot and heavy, which is the full armor of God. So I just want people to understand, give Jesus your life. Let him run over it. The devil has many snares. He's got many tricks. He has a lot of things that he can do that we don't see. But God sees all because he's almighty, he's all-knowing, and he's everywhere. So unless we have that, we truly can't war this war. You're just a sitting duck waiting for the devil to take you out if God lets him. But what we ought to do is let's wear this armor. Let's start praying. Let's start fasting. Let's start getting into God's word. Let's learn to be obedient before the Lord and be searched out for any unrighteous things that we might wear that armor and wear it effectively. So, bro, it's on you.
Are you there? Okay, now oh. you can hear me, right? Yeah, All right. I can well, hear thank you, now. brother. Thank you. That that was an excellent teaching, and there's not much more to say except, Amen, <laughs> Selah, and uh, uh, and uh, that yeah, it's everything is our Lord and Savior. Praise the Lord. Our only answer, our only answer is in our Lord and Savior. So, I tell you what, uh, when we open up. Oh, Chat. Sounds good. See, see what's going on there. We got somebody from North Missouri. Wonder if it's my friend. Yeah. Cool. Hello, Oregon once again, and North Missouri. How you doing? Doing all right. Is that my cool? Is that my friend Larry? Who's the one who's from North Missouri? Say hello. Hello. Hey, James. Hello. You may have to unmute yourself, man. Are you on? Is that some? Oh, is that is James? That some... Yeah, I think it's James. Ah. Hello? Okay. There he is. Hello. Hey. Hey. Yeah, I'm here. Who is this? Hey, I'm here. This is James, yeah. Hi, James. First time <laughs> I've ever met you. Yeah, um, yeah. This is I'm, I wasn't used to. Uh, I'm not very used to putting the phone on mute, so I was I was kind of confused, and I was just listening in the whole time. So, yeah. Oh, don't worry about mm-hmm. it. I have I do the same thing anyway, so I'm always <laughs> forgetting to unmute or whatever, or to mute. <laughs> yeah. So, so what do you think about the teaching tonight, James? Um, I, it was a, it was a great teaching. I think um, it's something that people people need to hear. I think people are so used mm-hmm. to expecting the um, uh, expecting expecting something to hear, and I think they need to hear something they're not uh, anticipating. Uh, they need to get hit with something that they don't know what's coming, because there is something coming that they don't know what's coming, and a lot of people think that they can be prepared for it and that they're going to be ready for it, but they're not. Um, so it was a good teaching to, to put something on people's hearts and on people's on people's minds, so they can know and and, and search out Christ. Uh, he is the only one that can um, lead us through uh, the things that we're about to go through. Um, we see that, and um, we've seen that in when God told Moses to go get my people. You know, they could have they could have all of they wanted uh, prepared food to get them through that wilderness, but it was the it was the manna from heaven that um that fed them, that filled them. You know, even if they um had things left over, all of it spoiled. So it was to, it was to constantly just to keep their minds on Christ, to be led through. You know, so I think it was a yeah, it was a it was a teaching that I hope uh everybody uh gets from and I I think I hope everybody that he- hears it uh, receives, you know, what what is meant for them to receive in their heart, and they take it to God and pray, you know, and uh, they don't take it lightly. Oh, people don't take it for granted. Oh, people don't take uh, the time that they have here for granted. Um, so yeah, I, I think it was a, I think it was a strong teaching tonight. <laughs> Amen. Cool. Praise the Lord. You know, um, uh, Mike, um, you, I'm sure you probably heard James. Um, he did a teaching or two also, you know, a few teachings on um, the mm-hmm. website. You know, you've probably seen the name James on there, but, yeah, 
You know, you might have heard him, but he's done a few teachings too, along with Sarah. Right. Now, is, yeah. James, were you the one that was talking about yeah, you had to move back somewhere back home or something like that? And God put a call on your heart that it's time for you to leave the state of uh, over there of Oregon? Uh, Do you understand? No, I don't. No, Wait, maybe I... it was someone else. There's yeah, someone else, maybe. Yeah, yeah it was someone. It was someone else because I I moved here. Um, I moved from Kansas City, Missouri, three years ago. So it had to be someone else. Oh, so you live you live in Oregon, but you still have the old phone number. Okay, I see. Yeah. Yep. Ah. Okay. I get it. I get it. just like everyone else. It's like okay. All right. Well, uh, what about you? What do you think, Sarah? What do you think about the? What's your feelings about tonight's teaching? Um, I thought it was really great, um, and it, everything that he said was just right on track. You know, the scriptures there to back it up, and of course, that's the key thing. Is in everything that we teach, we uh, have to make sure that we do it according to the scripture, because the scripture is never going to. God's word will never fail you, no matter what. <laughs> And so, um, but along with that is that I was thinking about something earlier today, and I don't know why it just dumbfounded me when I thought about this, is that, you know, if Satan, who was the anointed covering cherub of the throne room of God, fell from heaven, and he, like Derek says, he, he, he does have a respect for God, but he hates them, then what are we so much thinking that we cannot do the same? We cannot fall. You know, we claim salvation, and this is something that I think people really need to get a real grip on, is that salvation is just not something you go to church and you pray your prayer and say, oh, I'm saved, and then you go about and you just live your life. That's not how it works. When Satan fell from heaven or more or less was cast out from heaven because of the iniquity that was found within him and the trafficking and the, just the utter jealousy and hatred for God that now he wants people to have their so-called Christianity is the way that he lives. Which is, in other words, they pray a prayer, but inside there is no God. There's no Jesus Christ inside of them. So That's right. If he from, so if he fell from heaven... And he was there in glory and took a third of the angels with him. Who do we? To, who are we to think that we can just pray a simple little prayer and that's it? And that's what he wants people to believe. And that's how the good majority of people will not be saved. And so he's right. We have got to have on that full armor. And we've got to be completely covered with it all the time. Because as it says in Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14, that the, gate, that the way is straight and the gate is narrow and few there be that find it so that very that few is going to be a very very small it's not going to be a majority of people and it's like we have to know that we know that we know that we're saved and how do we know is that we don't want to live in that old life anymore you know there may be times that we may say oh i want to watch a movie just to see what they're putting out there and before you know it, there's so many curse words, it's like you feel sick inside. It's like, no, I can't watch this because this is not right. Like, you know, Derek, you were saying, it's like you would watch a movie and the Holy Spirit would tell you to turn it off. And that's how you know, because the Holy Spirit's saying this is not right. 
But we have to know and we have to continuously have that armor on because if we don't and if we're not checking people with what the scripture says and if we don't have a desire to go out there and tell people, we might want to question if we're really saved. You know, so, but again, I agree with James that it was a, a really great teaching tonight, praise the Lord. And, uh, you know, I hope people hear it too. Yeah. Um, there was something I was thinking to that passed my mind and listening in. I think it was the, uh, I remember, the, I think it was the one hour and the 44 minute mark where it talked about um, uh, the beast being cast. Um, uh, being uh, cast and that's like, being cast into the lake of fire, and it and like the cross reference with that, um, this is like for people that um, that were listening in. It made me think of uh, the scripture in Second Timothy three thirteen, and it said, um, "But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived." So even those who are not those who are not following Christ, those who are being disobedient, evil men and seducers are waxing worse and worse, but even they are being deceived, and they're also, they're deceiving, and they're also being deceived. So it comes to a point where it comes to a head of what even is going to happen to them, and it says, and and it leads up to Revelations 20 uh, and 10, and it says, and the devil that deceived them, was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. So mm-hmm. all those that did not follow Christ and uh, were doing the things of the world and the wiles of the world were indeed um, deceiving, but they are also being deceived. But it says in Revelations uh, the end result of what happens of all those um, that um, they all practice a habit that is not the ways of Christ and um, the end result is that all of them are deceiving each other, and they're also being deceived, and all of them are being cast into the lake. So, the word um, backs the word um, backs up itself. It's like a um, it uh, how can I it, it reiterates it time and time again throughout every book of the Bible, and Revelation says it for the last time in 2010. What's going to occur? So, yeah, that's right. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank yeah, you. Amen. I think it was. Yeah, it was. It was a good. And I'm. Yeah, I'm glad to. Yeah, I've heard it. And uh, yeah, I hope that everybody gets it because it's not a time period that we we should allow slip our fingers to think that everything is just fine and dandy for us to be like the days ago and and think that tomorrow will just automatically come just because I think that I hope that this is a a time period that we all can bow down and. Continue to um, stay with Christ and pray for those who are who are saved and those you know Christians and pray for their strength and comfort to continue in Christ. So, Amen. Amen. Well, there's a lot Amen. of things to think about. A lot of things to think about. Um, good stuff, Derek, my brother. Good stuff, Derek. So, anyways, glory uh, is the Lord. <laughs> let's first pray out and. Uh, I want to say thank you to you two for joining us and for those that will hear this message. And uh, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. I have a father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the only God that ever was and ever will be, that gave us yes. your only begotten Son. I pray to you in the name of Jesus that you will 
be blessed by this uh, message. As we have been blessed, may it be a blessing to you a thousand times over. Mighty God, thank you for all the blessings you've given us. And thank you for Jesus. Lord Jesus, thank you for being our our shield. Thank you, Lord. Our, our full armor. And God, help us to suit up every day by following you and believing in you and uh, listening to you, obeying you and your will. And um, I just want to say, God, there's no other hope, no other more greater meaning, no real purpose in life outside of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. What a wonderful blessing it is to know that. All praise and glory go to you, Heavenly Father. Yes, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, I also want to pray that this message reached a lot of people, Lord. I pray, Lord, that these words may not go in vain. For, Lord, we're not Bible-thumping. We're not leaning on people. We're not pushing our views on people. But we want to see souls saved because that was the primary reason that God came and sent his Son in the flesh, Jesus Christ, to redeem all. So I pray, Lord, that people will think about the way that they live, the things that they do. I think I pray, Lord, that they will really be conscious of what you want and invite you into their lives, that you might lead them in the way of everlasting, that that they might be saved, not just them, but their children and their children's children, and, and just so many, Lord, for that is the covenant that you cut with your people. I pray for my brother Mike, Lord, and all he goes through with his illness and otherwise, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you lay your hands of healing upon him, Lord, and remove whatever it is that is there, because we know you have the power to do it. I pray that you bless his show. I pray that you, I pray that you give him discernment on who comes on. I pray, Lord, that you protect he and his family, for he's a man of God that is coming forward to bring the truth. Yes, and I pray, Lord, for my brother James, and I pray for my sister Sarah, Lord, that they continue in the fight. We thank you, Lord, for having them on. And may this thing grow. May more people hear the truth. May more fruit bear, Lord, that because that's what you want is production. I pray for all the souls out there, all the lost people, so many out there, Lord, that don't even know how they're going to deal with the last days. But I think we just gave them the remedy, which is you, because you have always been able to meet the needs of men, and you have never stopped, Lord. For them that believe it, they will be strong and do exploits. So I pray, Lord, that this message goes out to those who can't see and those who can't hear. I pray, Lord, that it reaches as far as it can go, that people might choose Jesus Christ and choose him now, for each day is not promised to us. For you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. You are faithful, just, and true, and worthy of all praises. We pray that you do it, Lord, for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Jesus' name. Amen. 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 How about you, Sarah? Sarah, why don't you pray help? And uh, and James, if you will, uh, I'd like to invite you to uh, pray as well. So I'll let Sarah start. That's all right. That's all right. Heavenly Father, I come to you this evening in Jesus' name. Yes. And Lord God, I just want to thank you for this time that you've given to us together, Lord Jesus Christ. And, Lord, I just thank you for opening up our eyes, Lord God, and taking off the scales off of our eyes that we can see. 
and giving us ears that we can hear Lord Jesus cry, Lord Jesus. And I'm praying, Lord God, that you help us to understand the, the importance and the seriousness of having on your full armor in these last days, Lord Jesus, because we are not promised tomorrow. That's not guaranteed to us, Lord. And if we were to stand before you this very night, what reason would you allow us into the kingdom of heaven, Lord God? Because it's not because we go to a church. It's not because we pay a tithe. It's not any of that. It's because we have a relationship with you, Lord Jesus Christ. And although there still may be some things in our lives that are not good to you, Lord Jesus Christ, we are asking that you search us out. Search the deep places of our life, Lord, that we don't even know where sin lies and that you take it out from among us, Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray that the things that you hate, Lord, we will begin to hate. And the reason why we hate them is because it goes against your kingdom, Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm praying, Lord God, that you put an anguish in our hearts, a real anguish for the people out there, Lord God, dying and going to hell because the church has fallen asleep. Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that we will put on this armor and that we will wear it every single day, that the attacks of the enemy is putting against us, that they no longer prosper. Because if you be forced, who can be against us? We are more than conquerors in Jesus Christ. It's not in our own selves. It's not any efforts that we can do. It's only in you, Lord God. So let us be thus minded, Lord Jesus Christ, that we stay up underneath your protection that we hunger and thirst and desire after your living word, Lord Jesus Christ, and everything that we do, and that we go out, Lord God, on fire, filled with the Holy Ghost, to tell people about you, Lord Jesus Christ, and in the name of Jesus, that lives can be transformed and changed, that we make disciples for Jesus Christ, the true and only living word. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, for everything that you've done. Thank you, Jesus. Continue to strengthen and build up our armor as we press forward into the spiritual warfare. But set us to that furnace of affliction, to purge and to burn off the world and the lust thereof, that all our praise and our worship is towards you, Lord Jesus. In your most holy and magnificent name, I pray. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 O gracious God, O merciful Holy One of God, O great high priest, we bow our heads before thee. We pray, O gracious God, in humbleness that we humble ourselves as little children. And O Holy Son of God, we pray unto you, praying for strength unto those that are continuing in your ways. Praying for their strength and praying for their comfort. I pray, Holy Son of God, as we ask and pray for strength to to go to those who are in in thy ways and and who are praying to you and seeking you with their whole heart. I pray that the strength that is asked for does not be used to to, to do violence into any man or to do to do sinful things or uh, this comfort and the strength that we might get that we don't use it to turn to the wo- to the world. But I pray rather that we use this strength to bow down before thee and to continue to endure and to pray for thy ways that we be filled with your nature. We thank you, O gracious yes, God, yes. for this day. Thank you for bringing yes, us to this day. Thank you for blessing us with the strength and wisdom for your mighty word, for your holy word, Thank you for giving us the understanding and knowledge. We pray to continue to be in thy hands and that we do not turn away from you, but that we continue to uplift one another, that we be called uh, thy sons and we be unto thee as as sons and daughters, and thou be unto us as our Father. We thank you, gracious God, and we pray to continue to be uh, underneath thy thy lordship and thy Godhead, 
that we go about preaching thy gospel, that in us you are seen and not us, that we do not be leaning into our own understanding, that we do not lean into our own mind and our own opinion, neither in our own thoughts, but it, it is you that comes forth from us, thy gospel, thy holy word, unto righteousness. In thy holy name I ask and pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, uh, Sarah and James, for joining us, and Brother Derek for our wonderful message. Uh, Once again, folks, it's uh, Sound the Trumpet Ministries, soundthetrumpetministries.com, and the YouTube channel. And I hopefully this time I'll spell it right with a T. I don't know how many times <laughs> I posted. I'm constantly misspelling, so mischecking something. You know what I mean? Editing, I have to do everything, including you know the editing, all that. So if you guys ever see anything that's misspelled, let me know. That's all right. Next well, time we know I'll you do a lot of work too, so it can oh, yeah. easily be missed. You know, things can easily <laughs> be overlooked. Well, especially with me. Anyways, uh, you folks have a great uh, week. May God bless you mightily and and you too. Uh, richly. And uh, thank you. All right, you too, brother. Be safe. Have a good night. All right, you too. But.